Hello everyone, welcome to a very special season of the Courageous Leaders Club. For this season, I have been persuaded by Anna, my fantastic business assistant, sounding board and force of nature, to put myself in the spotlight. Something that is completely out of my comfort zone and let her run the show. You're in for a treat. Thanks Joe, and hello everyone. I'm going to start by introducing you to those that have not yet had the pleasure of meeting you. So this is Joanna House, international award-winning leadership coach, business consultant, best-selling author, and CEO of The Change Creators, with 20 years of experience in the creative industry. For the past five seasons, I have listened to Joe interview some of the most brilliant industry leaders who shared their learnings and inspiring stories of what it takes to be a courageous leader. And Joe is one of them. So it's time to hear her insights, learnings, and top tips of what it takes to become a leader you know you can be. You'll hear from us in the upcoming six episodes released every week on Thursday as usual. So let's dive straight in, shall we? Welcome back, Jo. Thank you. Hello. We've listened five seasons in, you interviewing the leaders and and finding out what challenges they're facing and um and how they overcome it. And I just really want to deep dive into the challenges that you've faced as a leader because mm-hmm. you've mentioned it wasn't easy. So I've got a few stories for you. <laughs> so, yeah. so one that really strings to mind, I was at an agency and I was the head of project management and I was pretty young. And I think, again, a little bit ego-driven. And I was actually realised, I look back, I was actually very easily influenced by other people. So I would be listening to all other people complaining about stuff and the leadership team should be doing this and they should be doing that and they should be doing this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I kind of got into this sort of bandwagon of believing what was going on in the company. And I got myself a bit lost. You know, actually, what was my point of view? What did I think? And I wasn't, I actually could be, I can only say this now with self-reflection is, I don't think I was really taking responsibility. I was putting a lot of blame on why things weren't happening to Everybody else, <laughs> the company this, they should know this, they should support us this way. And I wasn't taking responsibility. Well, what is in my control to do? What am I doing to influence and make this better? So I remember I went into my review. I think I was in a bit of a, a bad place anyway. I was going through quite a lot personally as well, which I don't think helped. And I wrote my review and I, it was all very blame, blame. This isn't happening. That shouldn't happen. Then, oh, gosh, if I read it back now, I'd be awful, awful. So then I went into the review, some very, very senior people. And they pretty much shut me down. And I was like, I got, that's for sure, telling off, but a bit of a, I couldn't see it at the time, but they were pretty much, they were highlighting my immaturity right. in terms of how I was going about this and what was in my control to do and what they expected of me. In that moment, I couldn't see it for what it was. And I remember, and I, I, I'm very good at hiding my emotion, like crying that emotions. I can put a mask on sometimes. And I was on the train home, like literally holding back the tears. It hurt so much because I really thought I was going in there guns blazing, telling them all the things they should do. And it totally flipped, totally flipped. And it really hurt. And my ego was completely trolling on. And I still hadn't seen it at this point. I remember going in the next day, asking to speak to HR. I think this is unfair. This isn't good. Oh, literally, I'm so embarrassed. I'm even, I'm even telling you all of this. And then I ended up talking to one of the founding partners, trying to get them to understand my point of view because I still just couldn't see it. I was still blaming everything else but not seeing my behaviour. I just couldn't. And it wasn't until really quite a few years later, I can look back on it now and go, that was the best learning and the best gift I could ever have had because, number one, 
to be hit in the face with that sort of feedback was like, whoa, I've got to work out how I'm going to respond to this and how I'm going to come back from this. And yes, initially I didn't do it very well. But then I kind of went into this kind of, um, I'll show you <laughs> attitude. And I was like, right, this is what they're saying I need to do. I'm going to do it. And I went massively outside my comfort zone, asked a bit, a bit of help, got some guidance and turned it completely around and took control. And I took responsibility. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't got that bit of a wake up call. I'd have still been, I think, quite a naive, immature leader thinking the world was against me and it was nothing to do with me. So seeing that I could turn it around and when actually then I was choosing then to leave the company a couple of years later, you know, we left on a really good note and I was really proud of what we achieved. We actually did something new in the industry as well that no one else had done, which was very exciting. And I could leave very, very proud, but I know that wouldn't have happened if that conversation hadn't happened. So I'm so grateful that those leaders put themselves on the line to have a difficult conversation with me and give me the wake up I needed. Yes, my response initially wasn't very grown up, but I, I got there. So that massively shaped me, massively shaped me as a person. But it was really, really hard to go through at the time. Pride, ego, everything was smashed to pieces, absolutely smashed. Oh, and I'm so sure that so many people resonate with that. Like, mm-hmm. I know I personally do. Not hearing what you want to hear, not getting the response that you want to get or what you're imagining that yeah. is going to be the best response ever. It, it's never easy. No. And that's massive. Um, it, it makes such a massive difference in other, yeah. in somebody's life. But what I'm curious about is you've got the feedback. You didn't, weren't really happy with it. How did you then implement it or how did you turn that around? I'm very determined. I'm <laughs> a very right. determined person, a very driven person. And I wasn't going to be defeated. Everything inside of me wanted to quit. Everything out there, okay, I'm going to resign. That's it. I can't work here anymore. I wanted to quit. Then there's something in me, going back to the first episode when, you know, when I shared that, you know, I'd lost my dad and making him proud. That was still very, very much because again, I was only in my early twenties when this was happening. I, I climbed a ladder pretty quick and there was that put inside me. I'm like, no. You could turn this around. You can make your dad proud. You know, you can prove your worth here. So there's a bit of a proving yourself bit as well, which can be healthy and unhealthy. But I was determined to show myself I could do it and show others that I could do it. I also really cared about my team and I knew that they'd been through quite a lot as well. And I was like, no, I really want to get them to a place where I know they can get to. I had to really dig deep. I had to overcome the shame and the embarrassment. I had to up my states in being professional I had to grow up and actually that was probably a big point in my career where I really did grow up right I'm with the big players now I've got got to get this identity of a leader nailed but it did take some work how does that translate into your leadership now as a business owner how are they implemented one thing is I will put myself on the line to give someone difficult feedback because I know if those leaders hadn't done that for me and they just let either just got rid of me or just let it carry on without really ever telling me what the problem was, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I will put myself on the line, however uncomfortable I feel, because it's the, that person's bit of rights to know that this isn't working and I want to help you make it work. Because this this feedback, it wasn't the case of, well, this is all bad and we're not going to help you. It's like, this is what we want to see. This is what you know, you've got the opportunity to do. That's what's changed in me is passing that gift on. Do you ever get in resistance? You say oh, yeah. difficult conversations. <laughs> it's not, it's easier to give it than receive it. And yeah. 
how would you deal with that resistance in your team? Oh, it's not comfortable. And I've had resistance from difficult feedback my whole career. As us as a team, I say I've resisted it myself when I've received feedback. It's staying present. It's just staying present with the person, just letting them know you're here, letting them know that, yeah, this stings. I know it's uncomfortable. Um, but it's actually worse if I don't tell you. Yeah. So we've got to go through this pain to come out the other side and, and see what's possible because that's where the transformation happens. Unfortunately, a lot of transformation happens by going through some pain. Yeah. You've got to go through some change and the brain doesn't like to change. It doesn't. Your brain's number one priority is to keep you safe. So it wants you to stay doing everything you're doing right now. And if you've received some feedback and you're, it's not working, it requires you to shift and change to improve. People don't want to do that. So when you're on the receiving end of feedback, I'm curious to find out how do I ground myself receiving feedback to then take it in a way that it's going to help me grow? Just keep so listening. Yeah. Actively listen to learn versus listening to react and get annoyed. Listen to hear what the learning is and also recognize that the person giving you that feedback is uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not a pleasurable thing to do. And that the fact that they, they are putting themselves out of the way to be uncomfortable to help you. And that's why I have that appreciation in that sense. Changing tact a little bit. So I'd been through all of this. Okay. You know, I'd done well as a leader. And it's quite interesting because actually externally, I think people thought I was doing better than I was internally. Internally, I still had like anxiety and my enough, I'm like good enough, imposter syndrome. I've been through all of that and it can still creep back in now. You know, I'd had 20 years under my belt and then I went to work for another company in, a, in my most senior position yet. And I would say that was the hardest experience of my career to date. I suddenly walked into this, this agency as a very confident leader, pretty sure of myself of what I was doing, knew what I could do. And I arrived to be received. I didn't have a very welcoming, <laughs> some, some people just didn't understand what my role was, didn't know why I was there. So it was a bit of confusion and I wasn't set up for success. And it was quite a toxic culture. And it was the first time I'd experienced passive aggression. I didn't even know what that was before. I'd, I'd never heard of it. Everything I'd learned previously, this, I don't think I'd had none of the coaching training at this point. It all just went to pot. Everything I'd learned went to pot. It's like I just became this little girl again who was completely fearful and didn't know how to handle what was going on because it was the first time I'd been in all these wonderful agencies, this family vibe, everyone looking out for each other, supportive. And suddenly this culture was alien to me where it was out for yourself, backstabbing, toxic, aggressive behavior and I was like this isn't me so how do I navigate this because I haven't got the tools this is not an environment I've ever had tools I needed for so very quickly I lost a lot of confidence uh, I lost my voice I couldn't speak up for myself I was challenged quite aggressively in front of a lot of people and I just literally was like <laughs> nothing was there and I was like what's going on and I, and I look back now and I'm like why didn't I do this why didn't I do that and now I just didn't have the tools at that point and it absolutely crushed my spirit, crushed my confidence. I felt like a fraud. I was like, have I never been good enough? Oh my God, this is just not working. And looking back at that, if I go, well, what did I learn from that? It was that I still showed up. It was so painful, so, so painful, but I still walked in every day. 
I still showed up to the meetings, maybe not as my best self because I was crumbling inside, but I still turned up and did the best that I could with what was going on. And then I had to take charge of it. And I decided, no, this is not the right place for me to be. And I think very clearly, I think the company could see this was not a match for them either. It just was not working. And I chose, I was like, no, let's, let's call this a day. It's not working. But still left professionally. Kept my head high, still was professional. You know, even with the people that, you know, weren't getting on with so well, still respectfully departed, said goodbye. And, and that, and that was fine to, to still leave on a, as best that I could without becoming a victim. Mm. But it was that I would say is the hardest thing I've ever gone through within my career. But again, it's one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given because I wouldn't be the coach I am today if I hadn't experienced that. That is really interesting. I was going to ask before you sort of said I left in a professional way and with head held high. You said it was really hard showing up on a daily mm. basis and you probably thought about quitting as well. Mm. What gave you the strength to show up every day? Because it is really hard trying mm. to say to people you're in a toxic environment and better show up and be there, be present, even though it's really shit for you. Mm. I, I had to dig even deeper. <laughs> I really had to. I had to dig into who am I? Who do I want to be going through this experience? Because you have a choice in terms of how you want to show up. Now, I didn't want to show up how I did in that first example I gave you, where there's a lot of immaturity, a lot of emotion, a lot of blame. I wanted to show up as a more professional, more mature, taking on the years of experience I've had. And there was a bit in, in me of going, I don't want to be beaten by this. And also I had a team, so I had a duty. So I think I was... Going on my duty, I'm also incredibly loyal. So there was a loyalty to the company that you've hired me. I'm not going to let you down. Yes, in the way I had felt the company had let me down a bit because there's a lot of things that I wasn't aware of before I agreed to join, which I found out my first day. I was like, oh, wow, okay, didn't know this. And But again, I had respect for my leader because he was openly said, yeah, we didn't set you up for success. Yes, we didn't let you know this. And he took responsibility as well. And we had such a respectful conversation of what was going on, where we both took responsibility. And um, that again, you know, I went back to Australia a year later and we all went out for dinner. He came for dinner with me. And it was great. You know, that was, there was a mutual respect and mutual trust and a mutual appreciation of each other, even though we could both see it hadn't worked out. And I'd be forever grateful for that. I think I have this inner resilience. First episode I share with you, you know, you say I lost my father, but I've actually, I've experienced quite a lot in my short life. I had a lot of challenges, a lot of personal challenges that I've needed to overcome. And all of that has just stacked and stacked and stacked my resilience. And even though this was awful, I kind of go, well, it's not as, that experience was never as bad as losing my dad. And I know I got through that. Yeah. Or even if you haven't got, if anyone listening to this, you haven't got an experience as extreme as that. I'm sure there's something that's happened where it's not as bad as that. Or you're going to go, I can overcome this. And I also knew, even though I'd packed up my whole life and my husband had come with me, we'd moved to the other side of the world. I also knew that the people who really loved me and mattered in my life came home. They're not going to make me feel stupid for coming home or embarrassed or, or it didn't work out or you were going to Australia and all the, how high you're back. 
people who loved and cared for me would just would wrap their arms around me and just go, good on you for trying, good on you for being brave enough to give it a go. Glad you're home. It would be awesome you're home. And if the people, anyone who wanted to say anything different, then they're not in my core. They don't matter to me. So I trusted that didn't need to listen to my ego. I needed to just be the person I wanted to be, to be able to show up, be true to myself, and know that I had a choice. I could stay or I could leave. And actually staying became, it just, yeah, I could see my health was deteriorating. It was affecting my relationship. I was having panic attacks again. It was like, nah, <laughs> this isn't worth it. It's not worth it. So, yeah, so I took control. That is a brilliant story and, mm. and life experience. Mm. As much as you look back now and think just learning from it and taking it as a source of power to build the life that you have built today, the business, the team that you're managing, and the change that you're implementing in so many people's lives by coaching and and just doing what you do. I think um, it has a lot to do with mindset, how you look at things and the language that you use in your life on a daily basis. Can you give me an example where you found yourself as a leader that your mindset and the, the language that you've used has made the biggest impact? Yeah, definitely. Even in terms of if I ever said I can't do something, or actually that, well, what if I can? There was a word I said, oh, this is a nightmare. This is just going to be awful. This is going to be terrible. Is it really? No. And actually, you know, saying, oh, I'll try and do this. Am I really going to? No. Versus saying, I will do this. I want to do this. So my language is becoming much more determined, driven language, possibility language, because then my brain goes, ah, maybe she could do this, maybe she can. The minute I start telling my brain I can't, or it's going to be hard, or it's going to be challenging, it's like, oh, yeah, let's sit on the sofa and watch it tell <laughs> We don't want to go and do this. But the language you use, your self-talk is so important. Don't get me wrong, probably, you know, every other day, if anything, I'll have a voice in my head saying, oh, you can't do, you know, you're not enough, or who do you think you are, and... Or look at what everyone else is doing. You're not as good as them. And, and you have to pull it back. You question yourself a lot. Oh, my gosh. Loads. Like interrogation. Joe loads. questioning Joe. Loads. Am I good enough to do this? Oh, my gosh. Why do they want me to do this? And, oh, my God, I can't believe they've approached me. And was that good enough? But yeah, I think it's normal. It's human. And I think anyone who says that they don't, I'd love to talk to them. <laughs> so what, 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 are what are you doing? What are you doing? But we do, and a lot of these voices, again, their intention is to protect you. Their intention is to keep you safe. It may not seem like it at the time. And I learned quite a long time ago is don't fight these voices. When they show up and they're saying to you, you're not good enough to do this, you shouldn't be doing this, da, da, da. If I start fighting them, they start speaking a lot louder. They're like, oh, she's not listening. She gets, you know, we need to start saying some really nastier stuff and horrible stuff, but she's not listening. Ah. When you actually just work with them, you kind of befriend them and go, okay, thanks for showing up. You're here. I know you're just trying to protect me. Got it. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to do this. They quieten down. They don't go away. They okay. quieten down. It's just like with anyone else. Once they're acknowledged, they sort of huh, just roll with it. Yeah. You just acknowledged I'm here. Thank you very much. So you're a friend <laughs> to your, your thoughts and your insecurities. Yeah. And a massive thing is your thoughts are facts. That was a huge learning for me. It's like, oh, right, I'm thinking all this stuff. But is any of this stuff a fact? And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> so I don't need to listen to these thoughts. And I say to a lot of people, brilliant. You can either, I, I sometimes think of my brain as a radio station. <laughs> I'm tuning into, I'm not good enough FM. 
uh, that's not working for me. I don't like this station. I'm going to tune into I am good enough with him. And let's see what I can achieve if I'm tuned into that station. And this is all about getting in charge of your mind. You start going, I'm in charge of this mind here. Mm. The thoughts, the voices, the talking, how I think. And you kind of go, yeah, I'm the boss. So how do I want this to be going? So if anything, my mind is just another team member. <laughs> I need to look after <laughs> and be leading. How did you find having a team of your own after, you know, getting out of the creative industry and just settling in, you build a business and all of a sudden you're again a leader, you've got a team. Have you got anything that you would like to share in learnings or anything, any challenges that you have faced? Oh, yeah. having people on you. Oh, yeah, definitely, especially when the buck stops with me because when I was in agencies, I was the leader, but then I had a leader and they had a leader. So I could take my problems up to here and they would take, and so I always had a safety net. Mm-hmm. I've got no safety there anymore. Is me. You feel exposed. You feel a bit exposed. You feel a bit vulnerable. You're like, hang on, this, this is all my decisions here of where we're going, what we're doing. And being there for you all versus also trying to run your own business. Oh, yeah. And I fulfill a lot of the, the output that we do. It has been a real challenge to navigate the balance between fulfilling the work to giving the team the time. And also navigating, I, you know, be very open to, and I know we're going to cover this in the next episode. The expectations and the things and the help you all need is different to what was expected of me as a leader 10, 15 years ago. So I also have never led remote before. So number one, just being a business owner was brand new. Number two, being a leader where there's no leader for me to have a safety net. Number three, never led a team remote before. And also with some, I've never led a team through so much uncertainty before or through mental health issues before. It's all new. Yeah. So if anything, I'm just grateful the team's there because I'm, you're learning, I'm learning and keep, you know, we're trying new things and working new things. And the big thing for me was that we could all have very open conversations. The big thing was to not feel we're a hierarchical company that you can give me feedback as much as I give you feedback. Trying to still create some sense of connection and fun, bearing in mind we're sitting on computer screens, making sure we can come together in person, like we all come here for the days, which is really good fun, and be very honest with you all that I don't have all the answers. And you sort of covered most of it, but I just wanted to, to make sure that people understand business and the values mm-hmm. in the business and the importance of it and how those are set up in yeah. your business and what difference it makes mm-hmm. in your team and your management style. Yeah. Do you want to sort of elaborate what other, um, your business values and how you make sure that people are aware of it and mm-hmm. they sort of live by it and you all live by it. It is really important. It's really important to live them. As we said, being candid is one of our very, very core values. But one, and you can have your values. And what's kind of interesting is having your company values as who you are today, but your aspirational values of where you want to get to. And that aspirational value, which I believe actually we are living now, I had to introduce was courageous. It's having courage. Because I'm a natural introvert, very happily just sit behind my computer screen, <laughs> typing away all day, very happy, very comfortable. And I can look back in my life and I can see there's been a lot of courage in choices I've made, like going to Melbourne, doing everything I've done. But I was like, we need to keep being more courageous. We need to courageously keep growing and learning. You know, having the Courageous Leaders Club as well, I'm like, how can I talk about courageous leaders if I'm not courageous? <laughs> so there's, I'd have to walk my talk. So that courageous value has been very important in thinking as a team. Shall we go for this? Are we punching above our weight of where we are as a company? And we're like, well, no, let's go for it. Let's do it. <laughs> we had this, no, let's just keep going. So 
you know, contacting people for the podcast. We're like, oh, they're going to say yes, or they don't know. They did. Oh my God, that was quite a courageous reach out. So I think that courageous allows us to be quite playful as well. Yeah. And it helps us to be quite proud of ourselves and, oh my God, we did it. Okay. What's the next courageous thing? And it, and it kind of it fuels that motivation to keep growing. You know, growing is a really core value, continuously learning. You know, you're learning now currently to be a coach. You're doing your own training. We've got the rest of the team really learning marketing. You know, Amy's just been on a course uh, for social media. So continuously learning and reading and developing. You know, I shared that I didn't go to university in a previous episode. I discovered learning at the age of 40. I now, I think I've read more books still than some people that started at 18. I now absorb. I love learning. And again, if I wasn't reading and learning and we weren't utilizing that as a value in our company, we'd stagnate. And that sort of mindset, um, in my experience, is highly motivating for your yeah. team. So once you, as a leader, you'll mm. set yourself those values mm. and you live by them mm. and you get excited about them and you share that knowledge that you have just learned from reading a book, it translates into your team as, as the motivation that you're living yeah. through. That creates amazing change, how mm. people think, how people show up on a daily basis. Mm. So it's just, it's brilliant. Well, it unites you. It gives yes. you like a common cause, a common purpose, and, you know, making sure that we are all values aligned in terms of it. And if someone's not, that's okay. It's not the right place for you. But this is actually what we really, truly believe in and the behaviors that we all need to come to as a small team as well, come together to demonstrate. Yeah. Because in a small team, you can't hide. There's yeah. nowhere to hide in a small team. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't I know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. I think it, I'm biased. So everybody listening to this, and it's like, it's normal. And it's a bit biased. <laughs> I'm just fangirling over here a little bit. But yeah, no, I'm absolutely lucky to be part of this business because it changed my life. Mm. Like just coming in and you say you don't do university. I've, I've started one year and I just sort of left it because of different uh, right. certain circumstances. I wasn't very academically you know, motivated either because of different circumstances in life. But just finding that environment mm. that accepts you and pushes you to grow anyway mm. it is life-changing mm. if any business is listening out there just get your values straight and just live by them because it can change your life yeah and they say you have give your team the time they need yeah to fully understand them and be able to live them as well well this was really amazing thank you so much for all the learnings today joe okay. pleasure and see you next time thank you huge thank you to you for listening to the Courageous Leaders Club. I'd love to know if anything from today's conversation resonated with you and what your key takeaway is. Will you do anything differently? Have you learned something you'll take forward in your own leadership? Do take a moment to connect with us on LinkedIn where you can share your thoughts. You can connect personally with me at my email joanna.hounds at thechangecreators.com. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. This will really help us grow our podcast and reach and help as many people as possible. If you can think of someone who will benefit from listening to this podcast, please do share it with them. Finally, for those of you who are seeking to take action today, you can book a free strategy call with me and together we can produce an action plan to implement into your leadership and business. You can head to the link in the show notes to book now. Thank you so much again for listening and I'll meet again on the next episode of the Courageous Leaders Club.